Stand together, if you will. Let's sing number 142. 142. The song is called Worthy. Worthy, you are worthy. King of kings, Lord of lords, you are worthy. Worthy, you are worthy. King of kings, Lord of lords, I worship you. Holy. Holy, you are holy, King of kings, Lord of lords, you are holy. King of kings, Lord of lords, I worship you. Jesus, you are Jesus, King of kings. Shake hands with someone you haven't spoken to tonight. All right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right, y'all find a seat, turn to number 107. Y'all look like you're fighting out there. <laughs> I could have swore that as a business meeting. Everybody's doing this. Here we go, 107, love lifted me. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. Very deeply stained within, seeking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters lifted me, now save am I. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me, love lifted me. Love lifted me and nothing Love lifted me All my heart to him I give Ever to him I'll cling In his blessedness Ever his praises sing Love so mighty and so true Merits my soul's best song. Faithful, loving service to, to him belongs. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Souls in danger, look above, Jesus completely saved. He will lift you back out of the angry waves. He's the master of the sea, tell us his will obey. Be your savior, wants to be be saved today. Love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help. Love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me. Nothing else could help. Love lifted me. All right, we're going to sing number 365. Pastor Daniel did a great job on a sermon this morning about missions, and we're going to sing about missions tonight. This is my favorite song about missions. It's uh little short song with lots of verses, but it's easy to sing, so let's sing it together. Mm -hmm. 
May we be a shining light to the nation, a shining light to the people of the earth, till the whole world see the glory of your name. May your pure light shine through us. May we bring a word of hope to the nation, a word of hope to the peoples of the earth, till the whole world their salvation through your name. May your mercy stand together. Ushers, you come as we sing this last stanza. May your kingdom come to the nation. Your will be done to the peoples of the earth. Till the whole world knows that Jesus Christ is Lord. May your kingdom come on earth. All right, let's pray together. Father, we thank you tonight for the blessing we have of serving you, and especially of serving you in this wonderful church. I pray you'll bless now this time of offering, and I pray that as uh, we give to missions this month and all, all through the year, that uh, we'll help the message of Jesus Christ go literally around the world. We thank you for this time together tonight, in Jesus' name, amen. video here for um, our Annie Armstrong Easter offer. Ah, the culture of Europe. The creatures of Africa. The, um, cuisine of Asia. Yes, the world is a big, beautiful, crazy collection of tribes and tongues and tastes and, well, whatever that is. If you wanted to see it all, 
you could hop on a really slow ship and circle the globe. Or you could just come here, Toronto, Canada. Most of the people we have here in Toronto, they are not from here. So in Toronto, you can find uh, people from uh, every country in the world, literally. That is J.D. Fasolino. He and his family moved to Toronto from sunny South America. That's probably why the very first thing they noticed when they got here was the weather. I'm from a tropical country, so my first time seeing the snow was in Canada. So it was a, a beautiful moment. I'm not gonna lie, there was a tear. <laughs> but the Fossilinos didn't move to Toronto for the snow. They came because they'd heard there are lots of Spanish-speaking people here who don't know about Jesus. And they had heard right. There are lots of those people here, but they're not easy to find. In Toronto, there's actually a, a Korean town, a Chinatown, Greek town, but there's no Hispanic town. Venezuelans, Colombians, Cubans, uh, we are here. Uh, we are all over the place. You just need to know where to look for us. Where to look, it turned out, was a mushroom farm, like this one, out in the suburbs. This is where hundreds of Hondurans and Guatemalans had come, looking for work. These are people that they have left behind, family, friends, they left behind everything just to come here to work. So they feel alone and there was no Hispanic church at all, not at all. And that's how we decided to start a Hispanic church because uh, someone uh, needed uh, to look for these people. It's amazing what you can do with a few burritos and enchiladas, a soccer ball and a birthday cake. And of course, a Bible. JD and his wife Andreina began coming here all the time. They made friends and they talked about Jesus. And that was a big deal. I came here from Guatemala and when I arrived, I was definitely scared. But I met JD and we became friends. And now, when I'm with him, I feel like God is there. And that is how this happened. JD gathered workers from the farm. They began to worship together. And then, in a neighborhood where there had never been a church like this, word got out. We met uh, Cubans on street corners. We met Colombians at the grocery store. And we invited them all here. And, and when we did, we saw God uh, do amazing things. Uh, more than 40 people uh, were giving their lives to Jesus and to see people getting baptized. Uh, that's amazing. This is JD's favorite part because now whenever someone here decides they want to follow Jesus, it reminds him of all the people who helped send him here. God has called us to do his job and we are not doing, doing this by ourselves. So thank you for giving to missions. Uh, because you give, it's, that's why we are here. That's right. Burritos, Bibles, birthday cakes. Your money gives JD and his wife Andreina what they need. People like you give to missions. People here give their lives to Jesus. That's how it works. And JD will tell you, it really does work. People coming to Toronto, they come here to look for a better life. But there's no better life than in Jesus. And when they come here and new believers are getting baptized, new churches are started. That's a feeling that I'm not going to describe even. It's, it's the best. That is encouraging to see there what's going on up in uh, Toronto. That's because that's a Southern Baptist church plant there among the Hispanic folks. And it's encouraging, also exciting to see church planters going up there and reach uh, people of different uh, nationalities. You know, you never think, when you think of somewhere like Canada, you don't think about, in Toronto, think about all the, uh, this, the multiculturalism that certainly exists, but uh, that Toronto especially is the most diverse of all the cities there in Canada with that. Open your Bibles to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15, verse 36. We are beginning Paul's second missionary journey. Tonight is going to be an incredible message. I know it sounds braggart saying that because it's incredible because we're about to see 
a disagreement here between Barnabas and Paul, a dispute. Then we're going to see how Paul then picks up a young man named Timothy and he starts discipling and mentoring him and how we should be doing the same. Then we're going to see about what we call the Macedonian call. The reason most likely you and I are believers tonight, today, is because of this Macedonian call. And that's why we call it the West. Because Paul went west instead of going east. He wanted to go east, but if you trace the gospel through church history, it goes west. And that's because of, he went into Europe with the good news. And the, from Europe, it came over here to the U.S. Now, you say, well, where's the gospel going now? Now missions is going back into the cities and going into communities that are called post-Christian. Post-Christian means 100, 200 years ago, there was a strong Bible-believing, gospel-centered, scripture-believing community. But now, for whatever reason, the community's changed so much and the churches have folded and gone out of business, you're resending missionaries into those cities such as Toronto, cities such as Cincinnati, cities such as states such as Vermont, including Lexington. You know, there's maybe areas where there's a great need for churches in, in neighborhoods. It's just like that there in Toronto. So I want you to turn your Bibles. Acts chapter 15, verse 36. In a little bit, we will flip over, although it will be up on the screen as well. We're going to also look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. So here comes the split. I want you to pull out the, your bulletin, sir, because I will reference this on this first section right here. Uh, the truth is, disagreements will come time to time. And we're about to see a disagreement. You ever had a disagreement? Have you and someone else not got along? Or maybe you just could not agree or you had to agree to disagree. Remember what happened here. Paul, he has gone on a missionary journey, his very first missionary journey. And he brought someone with him named Barnabas. Barnabas, well, he actually had three people with him. He had a guy named Mark. The Bible calls him John Mark. Well, after about the first or second city, they kept going deeper and deeper. Mark was, you know, he missed mama, so he basically said, I'm going back to Jerusalem. That's literally, I, I say that, not, that's not a joke. The guy lived with his mother, most likely. So, and he said, Daniel, fact check that. How can you verify he lived with his mother? Because his mother, it was at his house that the church would meet at and possibly even have the, the uh, the Lord's Supper there, Jesus' final meal, could have been at John Mark's uh, mother's house. She was uh, a very influential lady there in Jerusalem among the early church. But he didn't make it very far on the first missionary journey, so he came back. Well, here's the problem with that. We're going now going out on a second missionary journey, and Barnabas wants to bring John Mark, and Paul doesn't. And there's a reason Paul doesn't want to bring him. And the reason why is because Paul does not want someone who's going to be flaky, someone who's going to, you know, after the first, second city, here we are getting homesick and we're running home again. He knows the trials. He knows the suffering. He knows the death that awaits them. This is not going to be an easy tour. And, you know, some people just get weeded out and, John Mark, maybe he didn't quite make the cut. You know, he could serve the Lord in Jerusalem, but he might not need to be out on the mission field. It's hard out there. Well, Barnabas, we're going to see, he was known for his compassion. He had a forgiving spirit. You always give somebody a second, third, fourth chance. And he wanted to offer that to John Mark. And that's where the fight is going to come over. They're going to basically going to disagree over, should we, should we bring this young man? Verse 36, after some time had passed, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the brothers and sisters in every town where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take along John Mark, but Paul insisted that they should not take along this man who had deserted them in Pamplophia and had not gone on with them to the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. 
Meaning they could not, couldn't, there's no reconciliation. They were not on the same page here. And look at this. And Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed off to Cyprus. Do you know this is the last time Barnabas is mentioned in the book of Acts right there? Now that was okay. They went back to Cyprus and started visiting those churches. That's all we know that happened with Mark. They could have just visited that one island and came right back. But look what happened here. But Paul, verse 40, chose Silas and departed. After being commended by the brothers and sisters to the grace of the Lord, he traveled through Syria and Caesarea, strengthening the churches. I have a map here of the second missionary journey. I think we put it up here on the board. So let me, here, here's what's going on where we're at. We are in Jerusalem here. We're actually there, there in Antioch. Remember, they, they started down here in Jerusalem. That was the, what we call first part of chapter 15, the Jerusalem letter. That was to affirm that people here in Antioch, let's see where Antioch, right here, that they, Antioch, it says Syria, but current day, this is now Turkey, Antioch. This is, this is where they first called Christian. This was the missionary center launching pad. And what happened was, remember, the letter came up from last Sunday's sermon, the Jerusalem Council letter saying they don't have to be circumcised, Gentile believers. So what happened was Barnabas, remember the first missionary journey, it left from Antioch and it went here to Cyprus and then it came up into here. Well, Barnabas went this way with Mark. Paul takes Silas and he goes up and he went through his hometown. He has his mama too. So then he's coming up through here. This is the way he's going to come. And something's going to happen up in this area. We're about to talk about that. But pull out your little insert there. I want to hear this. Disagreements. What do you do when you have to separate? When can sharp disagreements, where you just have to say, we, we can't move forward here. It's, it's, it's an issue that's so much that you cannot uh, address. Well, we look, at, we look at someone like Barnabas, and he was known for his forgiving spirit. We look at someone like Paul, and the man was known for his conviction. I mean, the, the two had ones, I mean, and that was good. He had a loving, kind heart, kind-heartedness, forgiving spirit, Barnabas. And here is Paul. The man is driven. He's conviction. Paul knows, guys. If I keep going deeper and deeper into Asia here, like it's getting more and more rugged. It's not going to, the farther, the deeper you go into this stuff, the more hostility you're going to meet. Because those folks have never heard of Jesus before. People over here don't know about Christianity. This is Europe over here. So, last thing we need is people who are throwing in the towel. That's why most missionaries who apply to the International Mission Board, they get weeded out. They do not make it. Because if they're just looking for a job, or if they're just kind of, well, I don't really know what else to do with my life. I guess I'll go overseas. No. There should be a Macedonian call. There should be a passion. There should be a desire. And I'll tell you what else they look for. They will not, they will not accept somebody in mission. If you're not sharing the gospel here in Lexington, what on earth makes you think you're going to start doing it somewhere else? You can't even speak their language. You find an evangelist, a soul winner, who's doing outreach and evangelism here in their hometown, then they can go overseas. They already know what to do. They can overcome opposition and um, uh, setbacks. So this is, look, look here towards the bottom. Fact. Disagreements will come. When do Christians separate? When is something so big of a mountain you cannot overcome it. Well, there's two types of problems. Now, these, these disagreements here, these problems, are over biblical issues. There's nothing wrong. I mean, you could actually say Paul and Barnabas are both right. The Bible does not say, although I, does, I do think it kind of speaks, the fact that Barnabas is not mentioned again, and then all of a sudden the book of Acts, starting here, the end of chapter 15, the whole focus is now on Paul. We kind of say, hey, this was a man of conviction. He, he, he did not want to bring people who weren't, who weren't serious about it. No one wants a quitter. No one wants to pour their time into someone 
who's just going to throw in the towel. But there does come a time to quit or to separate. Number one, doctrinal differences. Now, if you're at a church that does not believe in this book and they're not preaching the Bible, you should probably separate from that church. And now, if, if, it's, if the guy's in error or is that he just didn't, maybe mistook, he didn't understand what he was talking about or was a one-time guest preacher, but if you have a pastor or a Sunday school teacher and there is just incorrect doctrinal teaching and then you go and talk to that person about it and they believe it's even... They even affirm, and other church leadership affirm the incorrect doctrinal teaching. At that point, you should say, okay, this is not a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church. That's over the issue of doctrine. And now, unfortunately, here in our church, that's not an issue. And in most Southern Baptist churches, that's not an issue. In churches here in America in 2020, the issue this is always over is over two things, female pastors and homosexuality. You have homosexual leaders, homosexual deacons. You are affirming um, people in the church leadership positions that are just going against Scripture. The other thing that can certainly creep in is what we call religious pluralism. And that's when you have people teaching that Christianity is one of many ways to be saved. That other, we shouldn't be out there soul winning and evangelizing people of other faiths because as long as they're sincere and their other beliefs, they can go to heaven. That's doctrinal error. Now that you do not want to belong or support a church that believes that. And that's when a time would come to separate. Now the thing about separating over doctrinal issues, it's important. If someone's in error, you need to go to that Bible teacher and bring your Bible and point it out. Leaving a church over doctrinal issues and going down the road to another church and just running that church into the ground and bashing them and you never even talk to the leadership or the chairman of deacons or the pastor or staff about it, that's wrong. Because what's happened is you, there could have just been a total misunderstanding, a confused person. They just didn't know. Our job as believers is to point out the truth and then let them know, say, sir, I can't stay here under this teaching because this is directly contradictory to God's word. That's how you separate. Not in a mean way, and you don't go somewhere else bashing that church. You just say this, I just think you've, you've, you've departed from God's word. It's not teaching the truth anymore. <clears throat> now that, that probably wasn't the issue over John Mark. That was, isn't a doctrinal issue. This would fall in to what I would call the second one here, and probably more so that we probably deal with in churches like this over personality issues. Personality issues are when two people are doctrinally sound, because Barnabas, Barnabas knew his Bible. He was a soul winner, and Paul certainly was. But the difference was, they disagreed over whether or not to bring this young man on this trip. One had more forgiving spirit, the other one didn't. And, the, and they just could not, I mean, they both put their heels in the sand and said, no. We're going to do this, we're going to do this, and there was a, a, a difference there. The thing about a personality issue is it's very helpful in this case when you have this type of issue to point out as you talk to that person and says, okay, let's lay the chips on the table because this isn't a doctrinal issue. You have to be able to say, Am I able to give in this situation? Okay, we're not talking about whether or not the Bible is the Word of God. We're talking about kind of who I am, uh, the way decisions are made, uh, the way things are being handled here, 
the way you do things. And you have to, you have to separate because a lot of times personality issues, church, listen, it's kind of what I would call somewhat the gray area. It's not always black and white. Doctrinal issues are black and white. Personality issues, you really have to step back and say, could it be me? Am I missing something here? Could I bend? Could I give in? Is this a hill on which to die? And for Paul, Paul was convictional. He says, I want disciples who are going to go on this missionary journey that will not throw in the towel. He felt that John Mark disqualified himself by turning around and going back from the first missionary journey halfway there. He says, and that's just it. We're not here for quitters. That was his conviction. He's saying, Barnabas, we're going to die. And the last thing we need is somebody who's going to renounce the gospel and run back home to mama. I mean, we just don't need that. It's too serious. It's a war. It's, it's a battle. So, on personality issues, you have to stop and, and really do a lot of self-examination. And doctrinal issues, use the Bible as examination. Personality issues about yourself. But the truth is, they will happen over personality issues. Some people just do not get along. They're just not on the same page. So what happens is, so what do you do? So we've got this issue here, personality issue. You always separate on good terms. You never want to go out the door of a church or separate bashing the other church. That doesn't, that doesn't advance the kingdom at all. There's no, nothing positive about that. You might disagree, but you want to have a Christ-honoring attitude. Knowing that all, any separation, it should be done with godliness, holiness. You never lose the main focus. And the main focus is Jesus and the mission of the church. If there's a separation, which there was one here, that both Barnabas went back on the mission field and Paul went back on the mission field. There, nobody threw in the towel and said, well, I'm not going to be a believer anymore. They were both convictional about, about this and said, we're, our fo first focus is missions. We just see about different ways of doing it. But this last one here, I'm on, last thing on the handout. This is important because this is 2020. Look at this. Christians shall not quit attending church because they didn't agree with some things. Have you ever heard that? Someone who used to be in these pews, someone who used to come to worship and to Sunday school for whatever reason, they're now sitting at home watching Netflix. And you invite them to church, invite them to worship. Say, sir, I want you to come. They say, well, I don't, I don't really go anymore. I just, I just couldn't agree with some of the things going on over there. So what do you do now? Well, I just, I just read my Bible and just... Focus on the Lord here at the house on Sunday. Listen to David Jeremiah at home. No. You have taken someone and literally just moved them outside the body of Christ. They're trying to go solo, and that's not biblical. I want to warn you, if you know someone who talks like that, who is just out there doing their own thing, that's a dangerous person to listen to. Because you have somebody who's not sitting under the teaching and preaching of God's Word, who is just, they're making up their own stuff. And the Bible actually tells us in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, that you do not and shall not give up meeting together as a church. Meaning, you don't just quit going to church. There's no place for that as believers. Paul and Barnabas, they disagreed, but they were both focused on the mission. Keep going here in your Bible. Look what happens. God raises up this man named Timothy. Paul went on to Derbe and Lystra, where he then met a disciple named Timothy, the son of a believing Jewish woman, but his father was Greek. All right, I want to go back to our map because we're going to uh, talk about this Young man, let's look here at our map again here on Second Missionary Journey. And I want to show you, because Timothy was a key person and he had a key role. We have this a map of the Second Missionary Journey. Right here is Lystra. 
a man named Timothy was picked up there. Timothy's an important person. And this is how God ordained what was going on. Timothy becomes a pastor. He wrote the books of first and second, or he, the books were written to him. He was there at first and second Timothy. But Timothy did something else. Timothy became the pastor of this church called Ephesus, where we get the book of Ephesians. He pastored that church a long time, and that was a key church. In fact, he picked them up here, and they traveled to Europe and came back, and they ended up in Ephesus, and Timothy starts pastoring that church there. And I think what's important about Timothy is the story of today. Timothy, if you go back in Acts chapter 16, verse 1, it says his mother was a believer. She was Jewish. And his father was Greek. Do you know what that means? That means he was lost. He was a Gentile. So Timothy was, in many ways, what we would call today a spiritual orphan. Spiritual orphan is someone who does not have believing mother and father at their house. They've got one that's maybe a believer, and the other one there is practicing, either not practicing any religion, or is practicing some other religion. And, but that, that, that false practice is inside the house. And both mom and dad have a spiritual influence on a young man such as Timothy. Say, Pastor, how do you know this? Flip over in your Bible here, or if we have it on the board, 2 Timothy 1.5. 2 Timothy 1.5. Here it is up on the screen. This is Paul writing to Timothy. And look what he writes. He's, remember, he's the pastor of the church there in Ephesus, in which, we've, which they found on the second missionary journey. Paul says, I recall your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother, Lois. Any grandmothers here? Lois, if that's you, you should be instilling your faith and your grandchildren. Do you pray for your grandchildren? Do you pray for their future spouse? Do you pray that they become believers and that they know the Lord? These little children you see and that you they'll come and visit grandma. Do you bring them to Broadway Baptist Church? You invite them to spend the night on Sunday, Saturday night, knowing Sunday morning they're going to be here at 9 a.m. I know we have some here that do that. You need to be a Lois. Grandma, are you a Lois? Because Lois had a grandson named Timothy, who was discipled by Paul, who became the pastor at the church in Ephesus, where we get the book of Ephesians, one of the best books in the New Testament. Look at how it started with Grandma. I hope I'm a grandfather and Sherry's a grandmother that's pouring spiritual, biblical truth into grandchildren. I hope we're a church that has senior adults, grandma and grandpa, investing in young folks here. I mean, I already know y'all do it with Daniel and Elizabeth, especially Daniel and Elizabeth. Many of you pour your lives into my children. They will grow up knowing your names. They'll remember that. Some of you are Lois's, so this is such a key Bible verse, Miss Lois. Oh, it doesn't stop with Grandma. And in your mother, Eunice. Any mothers here? Miss Eunice, you had a son named Timothy. That you had a faith in Jesus Christ. And you passed it along. Because listen, Eunice, you were married to a lost man. And daddy wasn't going to teach the scriptures. Listen, when daddy, who's the head of the household, isn't going to do his role and bring little Timothy and the children to church and teach biblical values, who does it fall to? It falls to grandma. It falls to mama. If the head of the household isn't going to do it, that's creation order. It starts with the husband. But if the husband's spiritually lost, and the Bible says that his dad was a Greek, the, this Timothy, this young pastor, 
is a result of a praying grandmother and mother. So the faith that lived in Eunice and Lois, and now I am convinced, is in you. What we have, we pass to the next generation. I want you to know, if you had a mom and a grandmother that had a deep faith in Jesus Christ, you were blessed. You were honored. Do you know I'm a Baptist today because my father grew up in a Southern Baptist church and his mother, my grandmother, she's now gone to be with the Lord, she grew up at Billingsley Baptist Church in Billingsley, Alabama, which is a 200-year-old church. I still have a church cemetery. And this is near Autauga County in the middle of the state. And that was where the family farm was many years ago. The local church, just a little country church. I promise you, when Miss Laura Osmond, my grandmother, who was born in 1918 or so, 1921, almost 100 years ago, when she was sitting back in the 1940s and 50s with her son, Danny, she would have never dreamed that she'd have a grandson named Daniel who's pastoring and preaching the gospel in Lexington, Kentucky. You never, you probably never even thought about Kentucky. But that is what happens. Grandma, this is why it's so important. You bring your children to church you buy them a Bible, you pass on biblical truth. I want you to know, I was talking to someone this week, and they committed the cardinal sin of parroting. Do you know what the cardinal sin of... I, I, I wasn't talking, I watched them do it. There was this little child, and they asked the child, have to be careful, because this person still go, or goes here, said, little Susie, that's not the little girl's name, do you want to go to church this Sunday? I thought, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Do you, if you ask a child, do they, do seven and eight year olds get to pick what they want to do, Miss Sherry? No, they don't. Grandma, grandma, grandpa, you, if you ask a child if they want to go to church, you don't ask that question. You say, it's time to get in the car. Let's load up. You set Saturday night. You tell them we're going to Sunday school at this time. We're going to pick out our clothes. We're going to get our offering ready. Get our Bibles ready. And we're going to go. You go ahead and prep them in advance. They know it's just like going to school. Do you ask children if they're going to school? You do not ask children if they want to go to church. You let them know what time the car leaves. You walk them to their class. I'll pick you up in an hour. That's Lois. That's Eunice here. That was Timothy. If you, you let children make that decision, they will always, always pick to play video games and to do other things. I'll tell you, we are lacking a generation of parents that are, need to learn something from Grandma Lois and Mama Eunice. That's why you have these ch children growing up and they're not saved. They're not here. They, they don't even know. They don't know the Lord. And if you're not careful, you'll have a generation without, with a bunch of missing Timothys. Keep going here in your Bible. Flip back over here. Acts chapter 16. The brothers and sisters at Lystra and Iconium spoke highly of him, so he had a good reputation. Paul wanted Timothy to go with him, so he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, since they all knew that his father was a Greek. Paul circumcised Tim Timothy was a grown man at this point. He circumcised him. You think, why on earth would he circumcise him if we just had a Jerusalem council letter came out of Jerusalem to all the Greek-speaking Christians that they don't have to be circumcised? And here's why. Paul knew that Timothy, he was half Jewish, half Gentile. But he was going to have to go speak to Jews. The Jews in the synagogues, they would not listen to someone who is a Gentile, an uncircumcised person. 
Timothy had to be circumcised to have the authority to even speak truth into their life. And I think what, what is important is Timothy, how we um, in, would interpret this section here, is Timothy had to adapt to the culture. And the culture he was speaking to was a circumcision culture. Not all, but some of it was. But he did, he did not adopt the sinful practices that was going on. See, there's a difference from adapting and adopting. Do you know adapting is all around us here at Broadway Baptist? This TV is adapting. Those lights, these screens, this light bar. Uh, what else, David? I mean, it's everywhere around here is adapting. The drums, well, I don't know about that. Sherry said skinny jeans, but you know. But you can see all around us, we adapt. That means the culture has changed. But we never adopt sin. You can reach a city and things can be different and you can reach a different type of people. Listen, the Timothy of today in 2020 is radically different than the Timothy from 30 and 40 years ago. But the gospel does not change. It's the same old good news. Whether or not we have these lights or this stuff up here or however you dress, it's the same word of God. It has not changed, ever. But we as believers, we are constantly adapting. We as a church adapt. I am so encouraged our teenagers are going to Whitley City, Kentucky. You know, this is the first mission trip since I've been here that our college students are going on. That's, a, that's wonderful. Chris, you had an outstanding fundraiser. How much money did you raise? $1,400 you gave. That is going to enable for the next six days, starting Friday when they leave, for college students who go to Broadway Baptist Church to go down there and make a difference. Because you gave. You were able to help them. Because I know college students don't have your money. But you were able to go and stand in that gap. What a blessing. How encouraging. That is adapting as a church. I hope Chris has something every year. Every, every spring break, there's a mission opportunity for the college students to get involved and to serve in. Keep going here in your Bibles. Verse 4. As they traveled through the towns, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem for the people to observe. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Look at that growth right there. Go back to verse 5. It says they grew daily. Why? Paul had Silas. And who was Silas? Remember, he, he was one that carried the letter from Jerusalem up to Antioch. We, we were introduced to him. In chapter 15, he was one of the disciples from Jerusalem. So we have Paul, Silas, and Timothy, and they're going around. And here, go to our map right here. Go back to our, our map we were looking at. This is where they're at right here. They're going in this area, and they're strengthening the churches. They're preaching the gospel, and daily people are getting saved. Now something's about to happen here. This is when we're going to get to the Macedonian call. This whole area is called Turkey. Paul wanted to go up into here. But the Spirit of Jesus prevented him from doing it. That's all we know. We don't know how. He was planning. This is why the gospel went to Europe, by the way. Paul's plans, he's right here. He picked up Timothy. He was planning on going up in this region. And sharing the good news all up in here, up through here. But what happened was, the Lord kept forbidding him to go in to Bithynia. And he kept just passing through Mysa and, and here. And this is where the Macedonian, he just kept coming along. And what's going to happen? The Macedonian call brings him. This is now Europe over here. And we don't know why, but God stopped Paul from going in there. Your guess as good as mine is why. It could have been, and you say, how did he stop him? We don't know if it was a storm, roads, bridges gone out, but he just kept hitting a block wall. So let's keep going here in our Bibles. 
Verse 6. They went through the region of Phygeria and Galatia. They had been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. So now, God is interesting. That region, that northern region, apparently there was a lot of hostility to the gospel being preached there. And there's a time as believers, don't miss that, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word. There are some times where we as believers are extremely wise to zip it and to use silence and to be very shrewd because the hostility is so great that if Paul would have spoke up in that northern region, he would have likely been executed. In fact, he was just passing through. And missionaries, a lot of times, when they're in extreme areas, such as Iran, Iraq, Middle, uh, Middle Eastern countries, they have to go under a platform of being a businessman or a nurse, and they can never tell anybody that they're actually missionaries there to start churches. But what happens while they're at work and through just going about the city, conversations come up with people they feel comfortable talking to. In fact, David Dell's daughter served in one of those countries for two years in the Middle East. And what happens is you have to realize, okay, the Holy Spirit, there is a time that is not to my advantage to speak up for the Lord. And the Holy Spirit forbid Paul to do that. Look at verse 7. When they came to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but look at this. The Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. He blocked them. He would not allow them to go. He wanted to keep going, but he said no. Passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. Let's go back to our map here. This is what happened. This is where they end up. This is where the block happened. They're here at Pisidian Antioch. And they start going up here. And then we're starting to get into this hostility in this area. See, they wanted to go up in this region. And they got blocked right there. So they just kept on traveling. And they end up here at this seaport town called Troas. And you can still go there and visit the area today in Troas. Of where the Macedonian call. Listen, what happened in Troas is current day Turkey. This is where the gospel is about to go into Europe. Because this is Europe right here. It's about to come into Macedonia, into Greece. And what's powerful about this is we are results tonight of this Macedonian call. Then we're going to look at the Macedonian call in your life. Look at verse 9. During the night, we're in Troas there along the coast. Paul had a vision in which a Macedonian man was standing and pleading with him, cross over to Macedonia and help us. God is speaking to Paul in the middle of the night. After he had seen the vision, we immediately made efforts to set out for Macedonia. That means they didn't wait a week or so. They said, God is speaking to us. We need to get in the boat and we need to start sailing over to Europe. Concluding that God had called us, look at this, to preach, look at this, the gospel to them. That's the message they're proclaiming. This is what we call the Macedonian call. The Macedonian call is so important for us today. How do you know when God is speaking to you? What happened here? Go back to our map. This is one of the ways we know. God prevented him from going up there. It's like he, he would not allow that. And Paul just kept traveling. And then the call came right here to go into here. This is Macedonia up in that area. And that's where they, they kept going to. And what's powerful about that is God, the way he guides us, is he prevents us from doing one thing. But then he opened the door for doing something else and going somewhere else. He closes one door and he opens another. Ministry never ceases. Now, a location might cease. A pastor might go somewhere else. A staff member might move on to another church. 
God calls them somewhere else. One of the ways I knew God was wanting me to leave, Sherry and I leave First Baptist Church of Moreland, Georgia, was there was a sense of release. God is telling us that, Daniel, you've taken the church literally as far as you can go. And unexpectedly, I had someone tell me that out of the blue. A guy who's now gone to be a Lord says, this is as far as it can go. He says, you take your, these principles, you imply them in a different setting, it just will multiply even greater. A Macedonian call is a release and a pull. Your passion and desire is pulled somewhere else. I want to tell you how you need to know if you want God is pulling you. And what I mean by pull is going and doing things. You know, you, opportunities you see at this church. The Whitley City Mission Trip. Vermont. Cincinnati. Soon David Dale plans Senior Adult Mission Trip. You're pulled in that direction. And you think, I have an interest in that. I want to be a part of that. That's how you know God is... God's leading you in over here to do that. There's an eagerness to serve. And that's what it's called. God closes and opens doors. Jesus will sometimes prevent us from going from one place, but then he allows us to go somewhere else. So for you, I even believe a Macedonian call can come from a church member who just felt led to join this church. I even think the Macedonian call comes from the visitors we have. God puts in your heart that you need to come visit Broadway Baptist Church. God puts people in our path so we can invite them to go come to Broadway Baptist Church. God calls people to hear His Word preached and taught. It's no accident that we are here tonight. God has called you here for a greater purpose. Now we look at this section here and we see the call in Paul's life. He had a call. What is God and who is God calling to you? Let's look at the characters that we all just discussed. This section started out with a fight, a sharp disagreement as the Bible says. We see now, after that disagreement, we see how Paul is then split apart from Barnabas. He picks up people, someone named Timothy, who was discipled by Lois and Eunice. And now the gospel, we conclude, it's going into Europe. Probably most of us are a result of that. That European westward focus of the good news. Are you a Lois? Are you a Eunice? Are you a Paul? Are you a Barnabas? Are you a Timothy? I'm a Timothy. Are you someone with a call in your life that God is moving and releasing and pushing you in a direction? Listen, God did this 2,000 years ago. There's no reason for us to believe He doesn't continue to do it today. He does do it today. God has great plans for Broadway Baptist Church. If we are faithful to hold the doctrinal truth to the gospel, the good news, I promise He will bless this church. He will raise up young families, college students that are passionate about God's Word. How encouraging would it be Two weeks from today, when Chris and the college students are back, for Chris to stand up here on Sunday night and give a testimony of what happened in Whitley City. What a blessing that would be. What an encouragement to see that folks that come here, that have come because you gave, are now helping other folks in southern Kentucky. Jesus, I thank you that you have called me. Called me here to Broadway Baptist Church called us as parents to be godly parents. Raise me up as a Timothy. Put people like Paul all throughout my life. I pray tonight that we will respond to the Macedonian call. Lord, I pray that we will recognize that when you close the door here, you open one over there. Jesus, if there's anybody here that needs to respond to your call, you call people. You call us to get saved. 
You call us to go. You call us to give. I pray tonight that we never miss an opportunity to respond to your message. Jesus, we give you this invitation. In your name we pray. Amen. We're going to have our invitation. I'm going to invite everyone to stand. If you want to make a decision tonight, as always, you can join our church. You can get saved. This is your time to